0: Welcome to Freedom, Becoming Fully Alive. We're so glad you're here today. Have you ever felt rejected or hurt by someone? Has that hurt or rejection affected what you think about yourself? I've got some good news for you today. You can be free from that arrow of rejection and become fully alive again. Let's pray and commit our time to the Lord. Lord, we thank you so much for this day that you have made, Lord. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you for the acceptance that we have in your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that your blood reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. There's no hurt. There's no rejection. There's no pain. There's no suffering beyond your reach, Lord. And I pray that you will reach by your Spirit into the hearts of everyone here today and set us totally free from the arrow of rejection. In Jesus' name, amen. We're so glad you're here today. If you've joined us for the first time, Freedom is a ministry that you can enter into at any time. We happen to be in the second part of a three-part series. It's the fifth session of that second part. The second part is entitled, Getting Your Whole Heart Back. That can happen. You can get your whole heart back. And the fifth session is free from the arrow of rejection. That's our session today. Rejection is an issue of acceptance, even though we may not feel accepted, but that is the issue. Rejection is an issue of acceptance, but if we project that further, acceptance is an issue of significance. And significance is an issue, of identity, who we are. There's no one that has experienced more rejection on planet Earth than Jesus Christ. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, at all points tested, such as we are, yet without sin. He wasn't a victim. He knew who he was, and he was here to do the will of the Father. Do we know who we are? We're going to talk more about that today as we talk about rejection. But let's look at a couple of verses, a couple of passages that speak of the rejection that Jesus Christ suffered. Isaiah 53, which says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We are all sheep. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. And then one of my favorite passages, 1 Peter 2, 21 through 24, speaking of Jesus being mocked and reviled, but he did not answer in return. But he entrusted himself to him who judges fairly. And that, of course, would be his father. In his humanity, Jesus entrusted himself to his father. Jesus being all God, all man, the second person of the Trinity, the only true God, but in his humanity, entrusted himself to the father. And then the apostle Paul. He is one that experienced much rejection. Stoned at times and left for dead. Shipwrecked, persecuted, he went through more rejection than we can imagine. And let's take a look at what it says in 2 Corinthians the 4th chapter. 2 Corinthians the 4th chapter. I'll start with verse 6 even though your outline says verse 7. For God who said let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. We have this treasure in jars of clay. We are the jars of clay and he is the treasure within to show that this all-surpassing power is from God. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. And then a very familiar passage, I'm sure. You remember You remember the story where Jesus had a thorn in the flesh and he kept asking the Lord to remove it. 2 Corinthians the 12th chapter. I'll start with verse 7. To keep me from beca- becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, the Lord had been giving him all these wonderful reserva- uh, not reservations revelations. There was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but He said to me, "My grace is sufficient." For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest in me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And even in these examples that I've read to you, we see that in the midst of suffering, in the midst of rejection, in the midst of the insults, in the midst of the persecutions, already I'm, I'm, I'm stepping into and, and sharing with you how God wants us to respond. But we don't always respond that way, do we? But that's curable. Who in your life has rejected you or hurt you the most? I'd like you to be thinking about that. I've asked that once. I'm going to ask it again. I might even ask it a third time. How has the rejection of others affected your opinion of yourself? How has it affected your identity, in other words? Acceptance is an issue of significance. And we have an appetite for significance. We have an appetite for food. We have an appetite for sex. We have an appetite for significance. We have an appetite for knowledge. We have an appetite for pleasure. We want our lives to count significance. We want to love and be loved. We want to make a difference on planet Earth. And that's all part of what God has put in. us. all part of being made in the image and likeness of God with an intellect, with being a moral being, the ability to think and feel and reason and create just like him, though he's the Creator, capital C. But we want to make a difference. And of course, there's nobody that's made a greater difference than Jesus Christ. But what, what does it mean? What is significance all about? Well, hopefully these words will help. It's an issue of worth, value, purpose, and meaning belonging we want to belong we want to fit in we want to be important and that doesn't have to be a pride thing unless of course the goal is for our own personal significance and our own personal gain it's all about us but if it's, if it's for the glory of God it's, it's in the flow of agreeing with God he, he wants us to know we are important we do matter we are significant we're fearfully and wonderfully made precious in His sight. Agreeing with Him would agree that we are exif- uh, significant, we are worthwhile, we are valuable. Who could be more valuable? I mean, we, we cost, in order for us to be redeemed, in order for us to be purchased from the marketplace of sin, running our own lives, we actually cost the blood of Jesus. We're expensive, we aren't cheap. It took his very life and blood to purchase us. We have great value. There's great meaning in that. In belonging, we belong to him. Fitting in, we're in union with him. Are we valid? Because he says so. Are we accepted? According to Ephesians 1.6, to the praise of, of his glory, of his grace, to the praise of the glory of his grace, we are accepted in the Beloved, capital B, it's important to keep in mind there's only one life that's accepted or acceptable to our Heavenly Father and that life is Jesus Christ that's why we need to be in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ in us and that comes about as we repent of running our lives and totally surrender to him and he moves in by his spirit he makes us a new creation and the process of becoming fully alive begins. Christ in us, the hope of glory, his glory being released, he's the key to that glory. So we have rejection is an issue of of acceptance. Acceptance is an issue of significance. Significance is an identity issue. Isn't it interesting? We talked about that before when we talked about shame. It also is. An issue of identity it's interesting how these arrows relate to one another this being the arrow of rejection today but you can imagine that if you believe the lies of what others have said if you've heard what many have heard they have heard you'll never amount to anything you're stupid why can't you be like your brother why can't you be like your sister or some other comparison. You'll never amount to anything. You don't have what it takes. We get those kind of arrows. Or we might, ex- we maybe, have experienced the arrow of neglect. In other words, nothing was said. Nothing was said. Neither positively or negatively. Nothing was said. The rejection of neglect. So it could be the re- rejection of those words that cut like a sword, or there are those actions that are so, uh, so filled with rejection that have been directed toward us, betrayal, abandonment, different expressions, but it all can bring about an arrow of rejection. Why are we so prone? Why are we so prone to believe that we are rejected, and unloved and maybe you wouldn't say it exactly that way today you may not put it in those words and say you know I'm rejected I'm a rejected person it may not be that strong but would you say you're accepted would you say you have worth and value would you say you have significance would you say you belong would you say you fit in would you say you're wonderful in the Lord's eyes Why do we tend... Why are we so prone? It's because we tend to look to the wrong source for our personal significance, which is an issue of identity. Especially significant others, not just anybody, because it's not like we care about what just anybody thinks, but it's those mother and father figures, those authority figures, the teachers, the coaches, people in authority, especially carry a lot of weight fathers in particular tend to carry a lot of weight like it or not they do mothers can too of course but by God's design I can see why a father would carry so much weight and influence for good or not so good so looking to significant others looking to ourselves How does that work? Well, we listen to others long enough, and then if we agree with them and they're not agreeing with God, that's going to affect us adversely. And along that line, thinking and feeling. Just going with the flow of what we think and feel that's on our radar screen and not really stopping to think, is that the truth? I mean, is... What makes this true? Is it true just because I feel it? Is it true just because somebody's been saying it? it? Is it true because it's been my living experience so much of the time? I mean, what makes it true? I mean, what is true about me? Circumstances can feed into that. So are we the sum total of our life's experiences or some defining part thereof? Or are we who God says we are? As you consider what we've talked about so far, think more about that one or those ones. But if you can try to narrow it down to one, I think that'll help you today. Who has hurt you? Who has rejected you? Who has neglected you? Who has affected you? And if you thought about it, you'd realize, you know, i don't like that i've done this but i can see that i've really i've really agreed with them and how i'm living how i'm living is proof that i do agree because sometimes on one hand if we've experienced some rejection, we'll, uh, part of our response to that would be a prideful response. I'll show them. I'll prove them wrong. I'll show them I'll, I've got what it takes. And then our life takes on a driven tone. We become workaholics or whatever we're involved in. We are obsessed. It consumes us. It's, it's, we are driven. But if you look underneath that drivenness, what's, what's motivating us? Are we trying to prove to dad we do have what it takes are we trying to prove something to mom are we trying to prove something to God am I trying to prove something to myself and the fact that I'm driven is proof that someone other than God has more power over me than he himself and who he is and what he thinks about me because if I agreed with him oh yes I'd be motivated but I wouldn't be driven. I wouldn't think I'd have anything to prove because I'd already be reveling in his love. I'd already be enjoying his favor. I would already be believing and living from his acceptance and I would be motivated out of love, but I wouldn't be driven by fear or shame or a false sense of reality to try to prove myself to someone which how I live in that that sense. How I'm living is proof That though verbally I would say, Dad, I don't agree with you. I do have what it takes. But my drivenness says, I agree with you some, Dad, because I'm still trying to prove myself. How we live can't be hidden. We can say one thing and do another, but what you live will say what you believe. You've heard the saying, talk is cheap, but what you live is what you believe. Sooner or later, what you live, maybe not this day, but in the weeks to come and in the months to come, what you really believe will be lived out in your life. What you really believe will come out. All else is talk, but what you believe will be manifest. So what do you believe? What do you believe? Are you the sum total of your life's experiences or some part thereof? Are you a son? Are you a daughter? Are you a disgrace? Or are you experiencing his unmerited grace? His unmerited favor. Are you wonderful in his eyes? Do you agree? Are you at peace with God and with yourself? You know, it's kind of interesting. We can have a beginning revelation of Christ in us. And it's like, yeah, he's, he's great. There's nothing lacking in him. He's always the same. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow, he's holy, he's righteous, he's wonderful, and on and on and on. Christ in me, no problem. But then we look at the other side of the coin. Me in Christ, problem. I'm at peace with him, I'm at, I'm, but I'm not at peace with myself. Who I am in him, uh-oh. Who he is in me, no problem. Who I am? Problem, Peace with him, yes. Peace with myself, no. How do we bring those together? I really believe that this has got to come out. This has to come out in order for those two to come together so that we are totally at peace with him. But we are totally at peace with who we are. There was a time in my life where I was not. I was not. I struggled. With the arrow of rejection it was lodged in my heart for many years and I was not at peace with Steve oh yes I was at peace with God I loved him with all my heart and I still do I would obey no matter what the cost but I had the arrow of rejection in me I would compare I would look at the gifts of the spirit operating in others and I would covet those gifts I would be jealous in my pride I wanted it all and and part of the reason I wanted it all was for God's glory, but part of the reason I wanted it more was for Steve. That's pride. Because it needs to be for him. And uh, as we walk through this session today, I'll share some of that journey and that experience of how I was freed from the arrow of rejection. But... For now, let's just pause before we go on. And I want you to consider who, who has been the one more than anyone else who has rejected you or hurt you. And uh, as you think about it, how has that affected what you think of yourself? Because what you think, will affect how you live so let's take a moment and pause before we continue as you contemplate that as we continue on this morning I pray that it's your desire to be free from this arrow of rejection but how can we be free How can we be free? I don't want you just to be more enlightened today and have a greater understanding of rejection and perhaps how you've bought into it and perhaps how you've been affected, but I really believe what God is up to is how to be free. Because that's what this series is all about. Freedom becoming fully alive for the glory of God. How to be free from the arrow of rejection. Well, part one is going to be process the issues of your heart you have that in your material today and the reason why that's so significant is because as you have experienced hurt and rejection no doubt with that there's been hurt or excuse me there's been loss and offense and there's a high probability that there's unforgiveness there so we need to process that through and why is that significant not only for the sake of obeying the Lord and forgiving that person But also as long as we have unforgiveness toward that person who's hurt us or rejected us betrayed us abandoned us as long as we have unforgiveness we will be tied to them and if we're tied to them then we'll be tied to their opinion of us so in other words we'll be living out if we've been if the greatest hurt is being abandoned by our fathers at five or six years of age he took off it will be, we will be living from that abandonment. That'll be a theme in our life. In every relationship that we enter into, that theme will raise its ugly head again because we'll be afraid of being abandoned. We'll be afraid of getting too close because we were hurt before we were abandoned and we're afraid of it happening again. And it's going to show up in the most intimate of relationships like marriage. It'll be hard for us to fully give ourselves to our marriage partner, spirit, soul, and body because of that issue of abandonment that is still in our hearts. And of course, if we're not free to give, then it will have an adverse effect on the marriage because marriage is designed to give without reserve with total abandonment of giving. So that's just one example of how this arrow lodged in our hearts could affect another relationship. And if we have the unforgiveness, it will tie us. If we have unforgiveness in our hearts, it will continue to tie us to that other person. So as you walk through processing the issues of the heart, who or what has hurt me or offended me? That's what we've been talking about. What do we think about that? How do we feel about that? Being honest, writing it down. How have we responded? Have we decided I'll never let anybody I'll not not allow myself to get close to anybody again because I'm not going to get abandoned again. I'm not going to be betrayed again. I'm not going to get rejected again because nobody's going to get close enough to me to reject me. It's not going to happen again. We need to get all of that poison out. And then in part four, a process in the issues of our heart, pouring our heart out to the Lord and finally coming to a place of giving thanks, forgiving and releasing. I can think of a past struggle in my life where I was looking to the acceptance of a significant other and it wasn't coming. And through that process of looking to the acceptance, looking for the acceptance from this significant other, I again and again was hurt, again and again was let down. And I'd come to the Lord by this time I was even on staff here as a pastor. I was leading others into knowing who they are in Christ. I was leading others into reconciling with others. But in my heart, there was still an arrow of rejection that needed to come out. And as I continued in this process, the Lord showed me many things that I needed to see. He showed me the pride in my life. How I was thinking so much about myself so often in terms of how I felt. Even though that wasn't showing up, really, that much with others, but I knew it was going on. Because I'd step over it in day-to-day life. I would choose over it. I would yield to the Lord. I wouldn't get bogged down. I wouldn't let it swamp me. I wouldn't let it bury me. I kept going on, yielding to the Lord, yielding, 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 but I did see the pride. I saw the idolatry. I saw that this person's acceptance was too important. And I remember going home at nights, and sometimes I'd share with Mindy, I would say, I don't want his approval to be so important. Why is it so important? And, of course, I knew what God was up to before long, is that I had a father wound that God was in the process of fully healing. And I was looking to this now, this, in this present scenario, I was looking to this father figure, if you will, who was in a position of authority. And I was really looking to him to give me the approval that my dad never did. And it wasn't coming from this significant other in my present scenario, though. But the Lord was getting so much mileage out of that. It was so good. It was so important. And that touches on another part of the process, a process in the issues of the heart, is that I needed to, as a part of my process, give thanks for what God was allowing. I didn't like it. Number one, I didn't like it that I wasn't being approved of the way I wanted to be. But I didn't like it that I was struggling But I began to enter into an attitude of giving thanks more and more and more for what God wanted to do with me in this process. So giving thanks for the pride and idolatry that he was showing me, that was part of the process. But there was another dimension of giving thanks that the Lord made real to me, and that was giving thanks to the Lord for what he had given me in the terms of how he had made me, how he had gifted me. Because like I mentioned earlier, I was comparing, and he wanted me to give thanks for how he made me and how he gifted me. And I I wasn't fully receiving that. I was comparing with others because I wanted to minister more the way they were ministering. It was like the gift of wisdom and counsel and discernment that God had given me. It was like it wasn't enough. I wanted more. But did I want more for my sake or did I want more for Jesus' sake? Well, it was mixed, but... It shouldn't have been for my sake at all. So the Lord used Mindy, and I was convicted, and I saw my ungratefulness, and the fear of the Lord came on me, and I repented, and that was another piece. So forgiving this other person, for me, was not the big challenge. I forgave, I forgave, I forgave. He owed me nothing. Jesus had given me everything. So I had forgiven him. But the arrow... Of rejection was still in my heart so I went through processing the issues of the heart or the equivalent thereof at that time so yes I forgave yes I gave thanks yes I saw all kinds of pride and idolatry yes I repented yes it was part of the process yes I embraced it yes it was good because God is good and he was using it for good and I still wasn't free I don't want to discourage you all it's not the end of the story so I continued on. Part two. Exchange the identity lie that you... The lie that you are rejected for the identity truth that you are accepted in the Beloved. Ephesians 1, six To the praise of the glory of His grace wherein we are accepted in the Beloved. There's a sheet in your outline today. It's called, What is Your True Identity? What is Your New Identity, rather? What is Your New Identity? And I remember a day... That I met with someone in a counseling session, and after I closed in prayer, and this person left, I knew it was a God moment. I knew it was the Holy Spirit. It was one of those times you just know it's God. And in within five minutes or less, this um, little diagram was given to me by the Lord, and I wrote it out. It was crystal clear. God not only spoke to me about this person's life, but he also showed me what I needed for my life. And there it is. Do you believe that you're the sum total of your life's experiences or some part thereof? If so, you're really believing in yourself. You're putting confidence in the flesh. A life with Jesus left out. You believe the lie that your life's experience is you. So as I looked at my life, I looked at my father, I looked at this other situation, I looked at my experience, I was looking at what was on my radar screen, and I was giving it too much credence. I was putting too much faith in that, and it was setting me up to believe into a false identity, at least in part. The other side of the equation is what God wants. Do you believe who God says you are in Christ? and that his life is your life. When he died, you died. When he was risen, you are risen. Where he is seated, you are seated. He has raised us up and made us sit down together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, far above all principalities and powers. Christ in me, the hope of glory, having his authority over the demonic, having his authority over the spirit of rejection that was still plugging my life. Do you believe the truth that his life is your life? So that was a part of the process. Sometimes we fight against the process, and and that's part of why I want to present this to you today. I could go right to the juggler and say, okay, spirit of rejection, let's get out of here right now. But like you've heard me say before, we've got to deal with things completely, complete in Christ. It's the Derek Prince analogy once again. The dead cow in the field and the buzzards love that rotting flesh in the field. So the dead cow in the field in Steve Peterson's life was the pride, the idolatry, the hurts and the wounds and the rejection. And the demons love it. They love to feed on that and fuel the fire of that and bring vain imaginations and get things stirred up and and work on my mind and, and make vain imagination suggestions. So I could take authority over the enemy all day long. But as long as the dead cow was in the field, which would have unforgiveness and idolatry and rejection and other wounds, you can shoot shoot at those demons, tell them to go away, yell at them, scream at them, they'll be back because the dead cow is still there. So God wanted to get the dead cow out of the field, and that took some time. But we don't like that, do we? We don't like that word, do we? We want it yesterday, don't we? We want to be free, and we want to be free now. We want to be free yesterday. But freedom is a process. And at times, it includes an event. At times, it includes a breakthrough. At times, it includes a holy moment of revelation, and the lights come on, and you think, how can there be any more? I see it all. I know it. I'm free. But there's always more. Is that bad? Is that a lack of faith? Is that a setback? No, 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 no. It's more, there's always more. We are the finite ones. He is the infinite one. There will always be more, celebrate that. We are not God, we are not the perfect ones. We are the ones that are in process. Embrace that as a good thing. And for however long it takes, I don't wanna discourage you, but it took me over 20 years to be free from this arrow of rejection. This is not a 20 year series, so don't worry about that. (laughs) The fact that it took me 20, and based on the things I learned that I'm sharing with you, I hope it isn't 20-plus years for you. I'd love it if it was 20 minutes or two minutes. That's wonderful. We just need to let God be God. More of the process. Breaking this rejection cycle. Excuse me. Breaking the rejection cycle. Rejecting rejection. We can't be passive about this. We can't let these thoughts of rejection just come into the living room of our minds and let them hang out and kind of work on us and erode us and wear us down and eventually have too much say. We've got to say, Rejection, get out of my living room. Rejection, get out of my house. Rejection, get out of my mind. Rejection, I reject you. You are not who I am. Rejection is not who I am. That's part of participating with God. Rejecting rejection and receiving the truth of who we are in Christ. The rejection cycle is a diabolical, deadly, demonic, logic-filled thing. And here's how it works. You think and feel rejected and unloved. And there's a lot of supporting evidence in our lives. You were abandoned at five. Your husband was unfaithful to you. And your husband uh, divorced you or... Your husband or wife were an alcoholic and, you know, fill in the blank. Hurt, betrayal, rejection. Your business partner, your best friend ran off with your wife or your husband. Fill in the blank. All kinds of betrayal. All kinds of hurt. All kinds of rejection. All kinds of rejection by commission. All kinds by omission. Anywhere from neglect to abandonment and everything in between. A lot of supporting evidence that would seek to try to define us. So you think, And you feel rejected, unloved, unloved. It's on your radar screen. Here is is the crossroads, though. Here is the crossroads in all of it. If you decide you are, that is the pathway down. That's the downward spiral right there. That's That's where you enter the downward spiral right there. Anybody can have thoughts or feelings of anything but it's what you believe. It's what you decide that will determine your altitude. Whether you spiral down or will you begin to ascend into more revelation of truth. So if you believe you are rejected and unloved, you'll start spiral, spiral going down. <laughs> and guess what? There'll be more supporting evidence to feed that lie. So here it is. Let's say I decide... Let's say I'm not a pastor. I'm a member of Trinity. I come to services. I'm somewhat involved. But let's say for a month, for whatever reason, I'm not able to come. Six weeks, we'll say. Or maybe I'm I'm out for the summer. And I'm thinking, nobody called me. Doesn't anybody care? See, I already decided. I already decided nobody had cared. I already decided I wasn't really needed. I already decided I didn't fit in. I already decided I didn't have a significant role. I'd already been thinking about that or at least contemplating that, at least considering that and somewhat deciding that so that when supporting evidence fed it more, then down I went even more and withdrew even more, forgetting that people have things on their mind too. They don't all exist for me. I'm not always on their mind. They've got problems too, maybe rejection's one of them. And yet I expect them to step up to the plate, Stevie's in the room, let's give him a lot of attention. If he doesn't come for a couple of weeks, let's call him. Let's let him know how wonderful he is. Well, that would be true, but you know, you are too. (laughs) You're wonderful too. But we buy the lie and then it feeds because then we're almost looking for supporting evidence. Once we decide what we decide, we're almost looking So, oh, Alice didn't speak to me today. See, I know nobody cares about me. And, oh, nobody asked me to do this. Or nobody's calling. Nobody's caring. Nobody's doing this. See, we're already deciding. It's true. And we're almost looking. We're almost looking for people to fail. We're almost looking for them to feed into this. And then when they do, yep, it's true. It's true. And down we go. And down we go. And it gets darker and darker. And the enemy is just so happy. Because he's a thief, he's a liar, he's a destroyer. He wants to separate us. He gets us in the dark and gets us separated, and he's got us where he wants us. Because his mission is death and destruction, destruction and death. So reject rejection and receive the truth of who you are in Christ. And then there's another aspect that's so valuable. Embrace the process. Embrace it, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters. You'll ne- you'll never be disappointed and settle it at the extreme, Lord, if it takes 30 years for me to get this arrow out, okay, okay, Lord, okay, if it takes 40, if it takes the rest of my life, this is not going to be my goal, Lord, you are going to be my goal, more of you, Lord, more of you, whatever it takes to stay closer to you, Lord, bring it on, let it happen, that's his attitude, that's the attitude that he wants, renew your mind. Renew your mind on the truth. Take every thought captive. When rejection comes on the radar screen of your consciousness, don't go, oh, no, it's rejection again. I knew I wasn't free. I prayed on Sunday. I did everything that Steve brought up. I prayed the prayer. I did this, that, or whatever. I felt so good on Sunday. Monday, I feel lousy again. It didn't do any good. I'm still not free because I have these thoughts of rejection back on my radar screen. Okay, here's our our opportunity. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we've got a sheet in your, in your outline today, today that uh, isn't exhaustive, but go ahead and meditate on the truth. And whenever those thoughts of rejection come up, grab a hold of one of those verses, meditate on it, believe it, and let the rejection temptation be a springboard, a springboard, a catalyst. Okay, here's my opportunity. We're going to exercise... We're going to be in God's gym, God's gym, not gold's gym, God's gym. And we are going to take all these things that come on our radar screen as an opportunity to to choose the truth, to believe the truth. And somebody may say, "Well, that doesn't sound very authentic. That doesn't sound very sincere. I mean, I don't feel like believing it. You're asking me to be a phony or a hypocrite. I don't feel like it. How can I do it? Is it Is it hypocritical to honor God? Is it hypocritical to agree with God? Is it hypocritical to uh, obey God, to choose the truth, even if your emotions, the flesh, and the devil are screaming out and saying, no, 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 you hypocrite. If you don't feel like it, forget it. You're just kidding yourself. Steve's just trying to brainwash you. It's a spiritual brainwashing. It's mind over matter. Don't listen to him. He doesn't know what he's talking about. That's the devil. Because God's not going to talk that way. (laughs) (laughs) he's going to say, listen to Steve, (laughs) and especially listen to me. (laughs) More so, listen to me. Listen to what I've been saying. Listen to what I've said. Believe me. Renew your mind. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and let every opportunity, every springboard, every seeming step back, everything that's a part of the process, let it be a win-win because the most important thing is what you choose next. The devil tries to bring up all this stuff of the past. Yeah, you blew it there. Oh, yeah, you're obeying now, but you didn't then. Man, it's about time you start obeying. You had a lousy day yesterday, didn't you? Who are you kidding? One act of obedience today? Big deal. The next act of obedience is the most important thing to God. The next thing you believe, the next thing you think, the next thing you meditate on, the next thing you choose is the most important thing to God. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all things. And I think of the story in Genesis, Joseph, he was definitely rejected, sold into slavery, falsely accused, thrown into prison. Potiphar's wife falsely accused him, thrown into prison, forgotten about there for years and years and years and years and years. years. Finally got out, God raised him up. He was a man of humility. Eventually was the second in command in Egypt. And you know the story. At the very end of Genesis, when dad had died, and then his brothers were thinking, now what? Dad's gone, what's he gonna do to us now? And Joseph said, those famous words, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, for the saving of many. The devil means a lot of things for evil, and people mean a lot of things for evil in some cases. But will we believe that no matter what, God wants it? He wants to use it for good. And everything that's happened to us can be used for good. It's so key. You might be thinking, how could sexual abuse ever be used for good? How could abandonment ever be used for good? How could these terrible things that happen on planet Earth that God allows, how could that ever be used for good? We're not God, are we? Who has known the mind of the Lord? He knows what it's gonna take to get our attention. Our marriage almost had to go down the tube. That's what it took to get our attention. And for some people, it takes a lot worse. And with some people, it doesn't take as much. And with some people, problems really aren't a part of their testimony. The goodness of God, his blessing, and the revelation of his blessing, though they'll have problems, we all do. But it wasn't necessarily a crisis that was a part of it. But it's always a crisis of belief. Even if there isn't a physical or emotional or a relational crisis, there's always the crisis of belief to give up your life and let Jesus be your life so give thanks and submit to God and resist the devil part of the crowning blow just in review father wound brought into my marriage I surrendered to the Lord came to the Lord it was better came on staff here at Trinity eventually looking to a person in authority a dad figure to give me what my dad never did years and years and years of struggle Years and years and years of more revelation of pride and idolatry, which served me well, I give you thanks, Lord. Years and years and years of more opportunity to springboard and renew my mind, to jump off of that temptation on into the arms of God and into his truth and renew my mind on what was true. And if you continue in his truth, you are true disciples of his and He. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I experienced that. That was good. That was so much a part of it. The problem served me well. The rejection served me well. The demon of rejection that was tormenting or tormenting me before I came to, to the Lord and even afflicted me to some degree after I came to the Lord served me well, served God's purposes. I'm sure that's not what the devil had in mind, but it did But then the day of deliverance came and that's why it's so important because the cow had to be out of the field. The the idolatry had to be repented of. The pride had to be a non-issue. Thanksgiving had to be in my heart. I had to be at the place where all I wanted was God and what, whatever He wanted to do in my life. The dead cow was gone. And then the buzzards come. Well, where's the dead cow? Get out of here, you foul spirits. Get out of here, you buzzards. The dead cow is gone. Christ is my life. He defines me. He has refined me. And He'll refine me some more. And I invite Him to do so. So the day of deliverance came and Mindy was, was used once again to be a part of that <clears throat> because she was convinced and I agreed that there was a spirit of rejection that had come through our family line, come through my mother nothing against my mother, could have been my dad could have been either one, that's not important because my mom isn't the devil my dad isn't the devil, my mom isn't a demon, the devil is the devil and he's got his host and that, that's the enemy, he's the enemy so Mindy shared it, and I agreed that I had a spirit of rejection that had come through my mother's lineage. And when Mindy said that that day, <laughs> I knew she was right. But she said something interesting, which kind of got my attention. She said, um, "I don't think you should pray. I don't think you should pray until you, unless you really want to be free." Of course, got bumped a little bit on that one. I thought. Wouldn't I want to be free? I mean, but I I humbled myself. You know, a little pride pocket there, but we repented, and I quickly came to my senses. I knew she was right. It didn't matter how it was presented. The truth is the truth, and it was presented well anyway, but it was true. So we joined our hearts and hands together, and I began to pray, keeping in mind I I had dealt with a dead cow. But now it's time to deal with the vultures, this vulture of rejection. But I hope you see that because I I had dealt with the dead cow, I had the confidence to deal with the vultures because I knew who I was now. I knew I was not living in in the lie that I'm the sum total of my life's experience. I wasn't living in the lie of a false identity. Because if you are, if you are living in that, how are you going to exercise any authority? You're not going to think you have any authority. It'll be a well. I hope you set me free. I hope you deliver me. I really don't deserve it. I, you know, I'm, I've done this. I've done that. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm a disgrace. I'm not, I'm not a child of unmerited grace. I'm a child of disgrace. I mean, I'm. Not, I i do not have favor. I'm not a favored son or daughter. I, well, I'll pray and I'll hope for the best. But no, no, no. I was confident. I was confident, capital C, in Him, the Deliverer, Christ in me, the hope of glory. We prayed. I took authority. And I told that spirit to get out and go where Jesus says to go. And the more I prayed, the angrier I got in a righteous, anger way, because I realized I'd been robbed for years and years and years. And one of the reasons why I'm so motivated that we have a class like this, we have a series like this, is I know what it's like not to be free. I know what it's like to be free. I know what it takes to be free. And I want to convince you, you can be free. Of the arrow of rejection and any other arrow. And I have an invitation for you today. I have an invitation for you today. And as we, in just a moment, I'll give you that invitation. It is going to be to be free from that arrow of rejection. Put on the armor of God daily, look up the verses there, meditate on that. What's God's antidote for the arrow of rejection? Reject rejection and receive your acceptance in Jesus Christ. In just a moment, I want. To give you an opportunity to pray i'm going to pray first and then i want to give you an opportunity to respond to my invitation which will include the darts that are in in front of you right now let's pray lord i pray that by your spirit you'll give revelation now no matter what i've said through what i've said in spite of what i've said over what i've said under what i've said just it's what you're saying here this morning that matters lord but open our eyes lord set us free lord And I pray that this will not be in vain. This will not be a time of more information, but it'll be a time of transformation, even as we fully cooperate with your spirit. In Jesus' name, set us free, Lord, from the arrow of rejection. Amen. Amen.